the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon. You are listening to The Tim DeMoss Show on AM560, WFIL.com, and on the app. A couple minutes after four, it's our famous Friday show. Danny has the day off, so I'm flying solo. And as such, I thought we would have a little fun today, uh, inviting you to tune in and get a smorgasbord, a buffet, if you will, an idea of what this program's all about. We've done this before, like little segments, you know, for five or ten minutes, but the whole program today went through some of our interviews in the past year and a half and thought it might be helpful, especially if you're new to the station, to get an idea of what this program's all about. I can tell you a couple of things. One is uh, we normally take, you know, calls and texts and contesting hand stuff out and that's all good uh today not so much that but because we do a lot of interviews also and today's that's kind of the focus although you're welcome to call in if you like throughout the program with your ideas about who you'd like to see on the show podcasts of all the programs we do are at wfil.com right on the home page the key verse if you will that we use and go by among many in the bible but uh, john three sixteen, very well known for god so loved the world He gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. And uh, that means everybody, not just some people or a lot of people or most people, but everyone has that invitation, whether they know it or not. We believe that that is the case. And so to that end, we hope this program reflects that. We have a lot of folks on the uh, show who are Christians, but not everybody is looking for some common ground, build some friendships and relationships, relationships over time and see where God takes it. So today... We'll give you uh, some uh, little snippets, some athletes and musicians and pastors and folks from all kinds of walks of life who've been on this program. And again, the full podcast at WFIL.com, absolutely free, right on our homepage. Take a quick break, and then we'll get things rolling in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com, and on the WFIL app. You're listening to a podcast of The Tim DeMoss Show, heard weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. It's 418 on The Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560 WFIL.com and on the app. Thank you for tuning in. There was a little promo back there a moment ago about the special Truth For Life deal, a little contest celebration thing happening. Yesterday, actually, the 25th anniversary of the Truth For Life with Alistair Begg radio program. And uh, the last week or two, we've been celebrating by giving away a really cool prize. It's uh, 123 of folks' favorite messages from the past decade or so, all on one USB. Uh, You still have time to get in on that contest, but that wraps up uh, tomorrow, I believe it is. So get to WFIL.com and just look out for that Truth For Life 25th anniversary celebration area where you can sign up. It's uh, wonderful messages. We have folks like Joanna in Wilmington, Delaware, Sharon in Norristown, Elvira in Philly, Judy and Taylor, another Judy in Morrisville, uh, Charlotte in Levittown, Miguel in Philadelphia. Just a handful of the folks who have won 
that this month, uh, or I, I, I'm sorry, that's the other contest we have going. So many going on, got mixed up. Uh, that's actually our, those are some of our Ministry of the Month contest winners, which uh, is Family Life with Dave and Ann Wilson and co-host Bob Lapine. So you'll see both of those contests there and many other things at WFIL.com. Do yourself a favor when you have a second, just saunter on over there once in a while and see what's happening. There's the Truth for Life uh, USB contest. There's the Ministry of the Month feature with Family Life Today. There's actually a place also, as mentioning, that you can uh, chip, in, chip in your thoughts on who you'd like to see on this program. I'd love to hear your uh, votes on that. I have a list here I'll get into and just share some of what people have said. But this program's open uh, to have a wide variety of, of folks on. And I'll give you one example. We had, uh, I, I, in the world of authors, if you will, love to have authors on. And we had a gentleman named Dr. Stephen Kellowan last, I guess it was July uh, 23rd. And his book had to do with um, when your kids go to college, the transition for both parents and students to college life, and specifically church life, what that's all about. That's just a little clip here from our uh, July 23rd, 2019 podcast with Dr. Kello. After serving on a college campus uh, as chaplain for 25 years, uh, specifically at Wheaton College in Illinois, uh, working with students, speaking with students, caring for students, pastoring students, caring for the spiritual formation of college students, I decided um, as time went on that I, I wanted to put into print some of those principles and ideas that I've been working with and concerned about for college students so that uh, this same material might be used for others and uh, may uh, reach a broader audience. I think it is an important time of life. I realized early on that freshman students were making big decisions as they were leaving home and launching out on their own. In fact, uh, I can remember an incident standing outside of the student center and speaking with uh, a freshman orientation weekend, speaking with a family uh, concerned about their freshman daughter making the transition to college. And and the parents uh, were especially interested in finding a church that would be similar to their church at home. And the student I could see looking into her eyes was not at all interested in doing the same thing that she had done for years in the past. Hmm. That little vignette, I think, speaks uh, strongly of students' interest as they move into the college environment, their interest in becoming their own person and making their own decisions and maybe creating a path that they had not walked before. And so that's a concern for parents. Uh, it's a concern for me as, as a chaplain in helping students find their own way and maybe the best way. And that may include uh, finding a, a church of the denomination or non-denominational variety that they grew up in. Or it may mean going into a different kind of worshiping community, fellowshipping group of people, of like-minded believers. That's Dr. Stephen Kello. The book that he wrote called Walking with Jesus on Campus, How to Care for Your Soul During College. And again, the podcast of that was the 23rd of July, 2019. So help yourself to that and uh, all the other ones that are there. We often do have authors, uh, maybe one or two a week, and again, from all walks of life. One author in particular that really uh, to this day has left a mark on me is a woman named Sarah Williams, 
And um, she wrote a book called um, Nine Months with Carrion. And it's regarding her preborn child who is not expected to live. Uh, they didn't want to abort. And yet there's a lot of struggle actually when the time came uh, to kind of uh, – well, I'll tell you what. I'll let you hear what she had to say. Uh, but she spoke softly and yet powerfully, and uh, it was a beautiful interview that I, I, I highly recommend. This is Sarah Williams. This is February 21st of 2019. I grew up in a Christian family, always um, with this awareness of the kind of, in quotation marks, right answer to the question about abortion. And it had never been a question which had immediately impacted my own life. And so that night when we received this news and we knew we had to go back to the hospital and tell them about our decision, I was deeply shocked that in the crisis of the moment, in the horrendous shock, um, a kind of distancing mechanism kicked in. And the really first instinctive response I had was just to get this terrible situation over with. I just wanted to get the fetus out of my body as fast as possible and then think about the consequences afterwards. And that, that shocked me hmm. because the ethical principle in the moment of extremity on its own wasn't enough to carry me through the pain of that news and the struggle of the decision. And the turning point came for us when Paul and I, in our desperation, sat down on our green sofa in our little house in Oxford and we, we prayed and we cried out to God really in desperation and not knowing what to do. And we had an extraordinary and very immediate, tangible sense of God's presence with us. And in those moments of prayer, it was like the whole question was reframed. Mm. As though God was saying to us, Here's a sick and dying child. Will you love her for me? And it changed the way I was thinking entirely. So it wasn't about a principle or even a medical solution to a problem, but it was about God's love for the weak and the vulnerable. And it wasn't so much about my strength in making a decision, but about his strength of love for this tiny little baby. And that experience for Paul and I changed the pregnancy entirely in the next 16 weeks that were very difficult that we carried carrying because they were about watching and imitating God in his profound love for a human being who didn't even under the law have any human rights. That's uh, author Sarah Williams. Uh, man, <laughs> I can't recommend that one highly enough. She just had a lot to say. That's just a couple minutes of what uh, came out of that interview. Again, February 21st, 2019, Sarah, and before that, Dr. Stephen Kello, um, just a couple of dozens of authors that have joined us kindly over the last year and a half. Uh, when we come back, we'll play some clips from other walks of life to give you more insight into what this program is about and what you can look forward to. Typically, we'll have, you know, a couple of guests, sometimes one, sometimes three, sometimes none. It all depends on the day. And we invite you to be a guest, too. 800-560-WFIL is our number if you want to call in. You can just say hello in the middle of what we're doing today. 800-560-9345. If you want to suggest a guest that you'd like to see on the program too, you can do so on our website, wfil.com. And again, when you call in, you're welcome to 
suggest something there as well. Back with more in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM560, WFIL.com and on the WFIL app. Thanks for tuning in to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast with AM560, WFIL and WFIL.com. It's 4.30 on the Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for listening in today. Forecast calling for a lot of clouds, a little sunshine, windy the rest of the afternoon. 42 the high, low down to 26 tonight. Tomorrow's sunny for a while with clouds in the afternoon. Windy, high 37. Sunday, sunny, breezy, high 46. Sixers won last night, 115-106. Tobias Harris leading the way with 34. They played the Clippers on the road Sunday afternoon, 3.30. Flyers are home tonight against the Rangers at 7. And the uh, Phillies and Red Sox played yesterday, 12-5. The Phillies were playing the Braves this afternoon. Usual, as usual, I know they're playing, but I don't even check if they won or not. But they've been having a good spring, so I wouldn't be surprised if they did. Speaking of sports, if you're just tuning in today, having some fun playing clips for you from the previous year and a half. But we're doing that for the entire program. We've done that like little bits and pieces. But today I thought let's really get as many in as we possibly can to give an idea of what this program is all about. And, um, we, you know, we often say it's based on John three sixteen, And for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And also James chapter 2 shows uh, talks about not showing favoritism. And so kind of those two things put together, among others, but those are like benchmark verses for the show. You'll, you tune in, you'll hear all kinds of folks on. Many are believers, not all are. Just trying to build some relationships, just like if I walk out of here in half an hour, walk down the street, I hope I would be the same person there that I am here. And so the guests we have on here, you know, we look for some common ground, and, uh, and oftentimes that does revolve around sharing about the Lord, but not always. Um, so in any case— uh, but it, it's fun because I think that, you know, ultimately I'm nobody's judge. No one has to account to me and it frees me up really to engage people you know, wherever they are and just, you know, be available. So whatever God calls me to, he's not necessarily calling me to be involved in everybody's life. But uh, in any case, in the world, since I just did a little sports report there, how about a couple of sports clips here for you? Uh, pitcher Paul Bird, he was an all-star with the Phillies back around uh, the late 90s, around 2000. Also broadcaster for Fox Sports South and uh, had him on the program about this time last year. I guess it was March 2019. And he was sharing a bit about simply his love for Philadelphia. Philly's a special place in my heart. Like my wife came to the games last year in Philly and the ushers in the stadium remembered her name and came down and gave her a big hug. Like that's how much I love Philly. Yeah, just great fans. Uh, they're very, they're like me. They're passionate about baseball and they care that you play the game the right way. And when you do that, they never forget you. And um, so that's where I got my start uh, in Philly, where I got to pitch against Randy Johnson and win. And um, just a lot of important people who taught me how to play the game were in Philly. And uh, so I owe this organization a lot of praise and respect. In that same conversation, Paul talked a little bit more about uh, the fact that he won a championship. I think it was in college. Never won a World Series in the majors, although he got close to being in a World Series a couple of different times. I think he was in the um, champ- championship series a couple of times. Game seven, real close, but never made it in. But and then he, he shares about that a bit and also matters of, of how that has factored in uh, and how his faith has intersected his uh, craft. You know, uh, this is going to sound crazy, but... You know, I won a World Series, and a college World Series uh, at Louisiana State. Yes. And I'm also pulling for that in basketball, obviously, too. So I don't look at that ring 
Like, I don't wear that ring, and, and it's important to me that we won. Don't get me wrong. But I don't live out of what happened in 1991. What I do remember is the relationships on those teams I made and the coaches, and I'm very, very thankful for that. I'm very thankful that I met my wife at LSU. I found my faith at LSU when our chaplain shared the gospel with me. Uh, in the locker room, and I was twirling my blonde mullet, and I was like, no way, man, I'm a good dude. Um, <laughs> I was very, yeah, I was very thankful. Um, his name is Wayne Waddell, by the way, and, and uh, he's with an organization called Crew who works on campuses and just ministers to students, and hmm. he took me into his home that year. And you know, even though we won the World Series, I'm in the home, and I'm watching how he treats his wife and I'm continuing to say the prayer to receive Christ and read my Bible and just all these things, and I developed a healthy faith that was mine during those times, and it was just so rich for me. So even though I would have loved to have said, hey, I had a, a World Series, and I hope I'm not, doesn't sound like a cop-out or anything. I no, just, of course not. Uh, now looking back on it, I certainly wish I had a ring and won the World Series and could say that and could have experienced that even playing in the World Series would have been incredible, but it didn't happen, and, and I just trusted that God would take me where he would have me. And um, I was able to lead some great little groups on the Red Sox and other teams that I played on and make relationships there and kind of bring what Wayne brought to me to other people and just connection and just uh, hang time and just uh, really kind of diving in the Word together. So it's there's some really good moments and special moments. Those are the things that I remember most and that I'm most thankful for, I think, uh, in the big league. That's uh, Paul Bird, pitched for the Phillies, number of other teams. He was with the Phillies. Uh, I think he was on the 99 All-Star team. Friend of the program. He's called in a few times. That particular show is March 29th, 2019. So the full podcast of that available to you right on our homepage at WFIL.com. Also in the world of sports and also locally, uh, Bill Berge, who played for the Eagles back in the 70s and 80s, joined us just last month, right around the time that Eagles great and its teammate at the time, Harold Carmichael, got elected to the NFL Hall of Fame. And I asked Berge to talk a little bit about uh, you know, what it was like to be around Harold Carmichael and his, his level of professionalism, if you will. The one thing, he, he didn't like any shenanigans on a flight. And I remember uh, one time uh, that somebody was throwing great. And I don't know who it was, but uh, a great hit him in the back of the head. And he stood up and he looked all over to see who could have possibly have thrown that grape. And it was one of those smushy ones. And he says, I don't know who is doing that, but stop right now. And why don't you get your mind on the football game instead of acting like a bunch of kindergartners and, uh, in yeah. school? And you know something? Everybody just absolutely got their act together real quick, and nobody was uh, doing anything stupid anymore. That's Bill Berge joining us uh, just about a month ago on the program. One other one to give you, someone with Philly roots who also went on to do things in other markets, Pat Williams, who uh, was the general manager, is actually the uh, has been the senior vice president and co-founder of the Orlando Magic basketball team. But he was a GM, for many who remember, helped bring the Sixers a championship back in 82-83 with Moses Malone, author of tons of books, He's a motivational speaker. We had him on March of last year with a book called Character Carved in Stone, The 12 Core Virtues of West Point That Build Leaders 
uh, leaders in Purdue success, and they asked uh, him just to share a bit about his path because he was a ball player himself when he was a younger kid and looked like he might you know, pursue that professionally. I grew up in Wilmington, Delaware, and uh, I went to school there at Tower Hill School, played all the, all the, the three different sports. I then went to Wake Forest on a baseball scholarship, and I caught for the Wake Forest team for four seasons, four years. Wow. Uh, I graduated in June of 1962 and uh, had the opportunity to uh, sign with the Phillies. They sent me to their Miami Farm Club in the Florida State League. Uh, Andy Semenek, a longtime Philly favorite, was the manager. Uh, yeah. Fergie Jenkins was one of the pitchers on our staff. It was quite an experience for me. I bet. Um, in those two off-seasons, I went and got my master's degree at Indiana University. Also, did my uh, Army Reserve duty. Hmm. Um, at this point, after playing again down in Miami in 1963, the Phillies decided that my future was better uh, behind a desk than behind the plate. <laughs> and uh, thus yeah. the front office career began. Uh, I ended up uh, running the Phillies uh, Farm Club in Spartanburg, South Carolina, for four seasons, 1965, 66, 67, and 68. Uh, wonderful experience there. We uh, had wonderful teams. We promoted like crazy, and I was uh, heading, you know, for a career in baseball. But then uh, something interesting happened. I came to know Christ in February of 1968. I was 27 years old, mm. and the first thing that hit me as a new Christian was I'm going to take my hands off my life and let the Lord lead throughout all of this. And I was tired of, uh, of trying to promote myself and climb the ladder. And so I just relaxed and said, Lord, I'm in your hands. Well, I walked into my office in July of 1968 at the ballpark, and there was a note to return a call to a Jack Ramsey in Inglewood, California. Well, uh, growing up in the Philadelphia area, I certainly knew who Jack Ramsey was, the longtime coach at St. Joseph's, yeah. uh, then the general manager of the 76ers, and my thought was, what in the world is he calling me for? <laughs> I, I'd never met him, yeah. uh, but I returned the call, and uh, Jack explained to me that he was uh, about to take over the coaching duties. Uh, he was also in the process of trading Wilt Chamberlain to the Lakers, and he was going to need somebody to run his front office because he was going to be a full-time coach. Uh, would I be interested? Wow. Wow. Well, I'd never had met Jack Ramsey. We didn't, he'd never met me, but I flew up to Philadelphia twice for interviews, and uh, uh, the, uh, the 76ers hired me. I left the Phillies, left baseball, and uh, joined the 76ers for that one season. My title was a business manager. I was actually in charge of the day to day operation of the team for a 28-year-old guy right off the farm club in Spartanburg. That was unheard of, but it happened. And then one year later, uh, to the day, I got a call from one of the owners of the Chicago Bulls who said they were seeking a new general manager and they wanted to talk to me. Wow. Well, I, I went out and had that interview, and uh, uh, Jack Ramsey let me out of the con my contract, and I went to Chicago Spent four years there as the general manager of the Bulls, and after the fourth year, the team was sold, and it was time for me to move on, and I went to Atlanta for 
one season, and then in 1974, after that year with the Hawks had ended, uh, the 76er GM post was open, and Irv Kozlov was then the owner of the 76ers, and he brought me back, and I spent 12 years in that uh, general manager's chair. Uh, we had three different owners during that period, from 1974 to 1986. Yeah, that's right. Go and ahead. then in June of 86, I felt a, a, a need to really do something off the charts. Well, that was to move to Orlando, Florida, and join up with some business leaders and try and convince that community and convince the NBA that uh, it was worthwhile putting an expansion team into into Orlando, Florida. Pat Williams. Well, we were successful in our effort. We yeah. were awarded a franchise in April of 1987. Right. Uh, we are now coming to the conclusion of our 30th season as a, as a NBA team in Orlando, and I've uh, we've been, we've been living there now for 33 years. Hard to would you did you ever think this would be the path that you know you might take and, and wind up settled after all the other jumping around? Well, how, how could I? Yeah. My point is, Tim. Uh, once I uh, put my life in in the in God's hands in February of 1968, when I just said I was 27 at the time, and I just said, Lord. Uh, I want you to direct my life, and I'm I'm getting out of it, and uh, I'm in your hands. Well, everything I've just shared with you, there was no way I knew about any of those changes or any of those spots. Uh, I didn't know any of the people, uh, but uh, God knew where he wanted to plant me. And uh, I've often thought that uh, that decision to become a Christian, well, you're signing up for quite an adventure. I guess that's the point I'm making. Uh, when when you say yes to God and uh, invite Christ to come into your life, you are then uh, at His beck and call. And uh, <laughs> God, things that I could never have imagined or predicted, uh, but God knew all about them, and uh, that's where He has been planting me over these many years. That's Pat Williams, co-founder and senior VP of the Orlando Magic uh, last spring. He helped bring the Sixers a championship in the early 80s, written a bunch of books, Motivational speaker, loves God a lot. Learned a lot in the six minutes he just shared there. The full podcast, he was on with us for an entire program at WFIL.com. I think it's the March 25th, 2019 show. Podcasts are on our homepage. They're all free. Scroll through, search them. We'll give you a few more clips here coming up in just a moment. It's Tim DeMoss Show, AM 560, WFIL.com and on the app. Live and local. It's the Tim DeMoss Show, weekday afternoons 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com. Our podcast continues. It's 447 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Thanks for tuning in today. We're doing kind of a cross-section of guests that have been on the program the past year and a half. We do segments like this, but today we're doing the entire show this way. And uh, it'll just give you that much more of an opportunity to know who we've had on. This little segment here, I just want to throw a couple of music clips for you, an artist that we've had on, and uh, folks in the entertainment world, if you will. Uh, I guess it was early December. We had Lee Lochnane, one of the founding members of the band Chicago on with us. Chicago had a Christmas album coming out, so they were talking about that. I think they were on tour a little bit, and uh, I was talking with Lee, who plays the trumpet, regarding that instrument, you know, playing the trumpet. As a kid, I played piano, and a lot of folks maybe do that, or guitar, and kind of like you know, I asked him, well, is that what you started off with? Did you try a few other things and landed on the trumpet, or what, what was your situation? 
Uh, oh, there we go. Let's get this button over here. There we go. This is Lee Lockney from Chicago. I settled on the trumpet right away. My my dad asked me. If, I settled on the trumpet right away. My my dad asked me if I wanted to be in the band in uh, grade school, hmm. and um, I went in that same day. They looked at my teeth to make sure I wasn't going to be cutting the inside of my mouth up. Hmm. And apparently, I passed muster, <laughs> and I've been playing tr- trumpet ever since. Is there a particular aspect about playing trumpet you like the most? Like a, like a drummer might enjoy the rhythmic aspect or whatever. Or, um, you know, keyboardists might do certain things. Is there something about trumpet well, I guess itself? Probably the melodic aspect. Okay. And um, but I had no idea that you know you really had to practice every day. Hmm. That that hasn't changed, you know, like sixty years later. Well, you know, what <laughs> I was going to play every day to to make it go better. I was going to stop that. playing for a couple of days. You notice it. A couple more days, everyone else does too. Thirty-seven albums in now uh, with the Chicago Christmas album, and I was going to ask you something about that. And when it comes to the playing and the rehearsing and and making it sound just so, I'm sure there are advantages to the to the you know the veteran status you have, but at the same time, th- there is that. Don't take it for granted, and you have to keep sharp, or, or it won't be exactly the way you want it to be. That's exactly right. It can't be unless you work, work at it. Yeah. So now, in addition to this, uh, the trumpet, you sing, and flugelhorn. So I don't know what a flugelhorn is. Is it much different from a trumpet? It sounds more like uh, the trombone texture okay. in the upper register. It's exactly the same. It's just a, a different style. The Flugelhorn parts are usually more ballad-type stuff that you use it on. Okay. And, um, you know, the trumpet is sort of the hard edge. That's Lee Lochtane, trumpet player, one of the founding members of the band Chicago. Also on the program, the musical realm, a gentleman named Luke Smallbone. He was on with us September of last year. He's from the band For King and Country. And here's a little uh, snippet from that conversation. My wife was pregnant with our middle child. And she was going through uh, a lot of nausea, so she went to the doctor and said, hey, is there anything we can do about this? And they gave her some medicine, and, uh, and she was feeling a lot better for about six weeks, but then the nausea came back, went back to the doctor and said, hey, is there anything more we can do about it? And they said, yeah, we'll just up the dosage and we'll just give you more of the medicine. And uh, I was in Austin, Texas for a show, and uh, uh, she called me, and it was a fairly frantic phone call, and she said, look, I need you to come home. And I said, oh, you know, okay, well, what's going on? I'd never received that phone call before, and she said, well... I've been taking this medicine, and I just can't stop taking it. I need you to come home. So we ended up uh, going through intensive therapy and walking together through all of that. And there was one night where we were home after finishing the therapy, and she said, Luke, I need to go and flush these pills because these pills represent so much shame and so much guilt in my life. I just need to see them leave. And uh, hmm. I was reminded of a story about an explorer who went to a foreign land, and when he arrived on the beaches of the foreign land, he said to his men, hey, we're going to go explore the horizon. We're going to see what this land has for us. We're going to see... Uh, we're going to see what's over the mountains. And when he had finished explaining it to his men, he realized none of his men wanted to follow him. They just wanted to return to what was comfortable. They just wanted to return to what was familiar. Uh, the, the explorer waited a few days, and he called all of his men back onto that shoreline. Again, he said, I want all of my men uh, accounted for on this uh, shoreline. And once that was the case, he gave his generals a command to burn the ships because he says, we will not retreat. We will not go back. We will leave ourselves no option than to see what is in our future, than to see what is uh, ahead in my life in our lives and for my wife when she took those pills and flushed them that was her moment hmm. of uh of burning the ships that's burning that's luke smallbone from the band for king and country and his take on the song uh, that they do called burn the ships so uh we're gonna um take a quick break we have one more little segment to throw here at the end and uh, and it's a lot of different clips for you but to give you an idea of 
what you can expect when you're on the program. We've had a lot of different requests as well come in online. I'll share a few of those with you after our final break here. It's Tim DeMoss Show on WFIL. Thanks for hanging out today. Have a guest you'd like to hear on the Tim DeMoss Show on AM560 WFIL. Email D at WFIL.com. Score 55 on the Tim DeMoss Show. Walking on clouds today, more like it. But some sunshine and some tomorrow. And while on Sunday, so enjoy. We're walking down the home stretch of our program. Uh, President Trump, Shania Twain, Franklin Graham, Kelly Clarkson, just among a handful of folks, uh, just a handful of among, among a large group, I should say, that have been requested to be on this program by folks on our website. If you have an idea of who you'd like to hear on this show, feel free to drop a request at WFIL.com. We had one from Allie who said, how about Dr. Robert Jeffress with that program, uh, Pathway to Victory? We actually had Dr. Jeffress on April 18th of last year. Here's just a quick snippet of his testimony. Well, I actually grew up in the church that I now pastor, First Baptist Church Dallas. Wow. And when I, when I was five years old, uh, I told my dad that I was ready to become a Christian. I didn't understand everything, but I understood what I needed to, that I was a sinner who needed a Savior. And my dad brought me to the pastor then of the church, uh, the legendary W.A. Criswell, and we knelt in his office, and I prayed to accept Christ. So uh, that's how I became a Christian, and uh, when I was 15, I felt God's unmistakable call uh, to be a pastor, and uh, I came to uh, see Dr. Criswell. I was 15, and tell him what God was saying to me, and he predicted at that time that one day I would be the pastor of this church. Wow. And uh, many years later, God brought that to pass. It's 150 years. We've been in downtown Dallas, and God has blessed the church tremendously, uh, not because of our denomination or tradition, but this has been a church that has been built on the Bible for 150 years. And uh, people are attracted to that. The church continues to grow, and uh, it's just a, a tremendous blessing to be the pastor here. And to also uh, be the Bible teacher on Pathway to Victory every day on your station, I think at 9.30 a.m., if I'm right. That's right. Absolutely correct. Robert Jeffers, Pastor Jeffers there, Pathway to Victory, 9.30 every weekday morning on WFIL. Uh, Robert Jeffers, one of many who have been on this uh, this program, who are also hosts of the you know various programs on the radio station. So we want to invite you to, and we do that because we want to give you a chance to hear a little more, kind of roll up your sleeves and, and put your loafers on and just chill out or whatever you wear, your docksiders, and uh, just hang out and get to know them in that way. And same for all the guests that we have. Help yourself to the podcast at WFIL.com. They're now available, by the way, if you want to subscribe to it, at uh, Spotify, I think it is, and Stitcher, and Google Podcast too. It's just called The Tim DeMoss Show. We appreciate your prayers as well. Feel free to tell a friend. We look forward to doing it again, Lord willing, on Monday. Have a wonderful weekend. Don't forget our Ministry of the Month and the Truth for Life contest. Wrap up this weekend. So get yourself to WFIL.com and get in it. Thanks for listening to the Tim DeMoss Show podcast. Feel free to tune in to the full show each weekday afternoon from 4 till 5 on AM 560 WFIL and at WFIL.com.